0: Or as we say in in West Virginia, the interweb machine is a beautiful thing (laughs) because you can take somebody here in Barbersville, West Virginia, and you can connect them with someone in Cape Town, South Africa. And Mm -hmm. so that's what we're doing today. And we're marrying a couple of podcasts. We are marrying the Meet Me in the Field podcast and the Intentional Encourager podcast. And I'm so honored to have the host of the meet me in the field podcast. He's also an addiction and wellness specialist in South Africa. And we'll get into a lot of, of things around that, but it's my honor to welcome Freddie van Rensburg to the intentional encourager podcast. Freddie it's nighttime in Cape town and it's the middle of the afternoon here in West Virginia. How are you, my friend?
1: I am so much better for being here and to, to be able to communicate via the the, the world Wide web and make this this big world of ours a bit of a smaller place and connect connect on 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 a real plane. So, so you've I'm got, very honored to be here. thank you fit thank you very much for having me.
0: Well, Freddie, I, I didn't mean to interrupt, but we've got two competing accents here. So you have my 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 <laughs> uh, United States, West Virginia accent, and the very beautiful vibrant South African accent. and so, um, Afrikaans South African accent.
1: Afrikaans <laughs> yes. the, the one that Leonardo DiCaprio tried so 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 well to to, to copy in blood diamonds
0: <laughs> You know what I, I should just sit back and let you talk and and, 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 I, and I'm gonna do that And by the way Freddie uh, Freddie so graciously invited me in and we recorded a, an episode of the Meet me in the field podcast together and and so let me start there with you Freddie what's been the most amazing thing to you I know that in almost the year that I've been podcasting I can say these are pretty amazing things and obviously talking to someone in South Africa is 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 certainly that what's it been like for you having your meet me in the field podcast and what's been something that has been such an unexpected benefit for you in doing your podcast?
1: Wow. wow, wow. I, I love that question. And it's, <laughs> I wish I could put in words, the feeling that I'm feeling <laughs> because, because the most amazing thing about the podcast is the feeling that I get. And that feeling Brian is while I'm talking to somebody, I, it's as if I I, I I absorb an energy. I absorb. I don't want to say their energy because that that means it's as if I'm sucking somebody's energy out of them, and I don't think that's the case. But the two energies meet, and and, and we build up a, a, an amazing, amazing, connective energy of, of 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 mutual respect, love, shared experiences, and when I when I enter recording, invariably. I feel so energized and I feel as if as if something significant has happened and and that's why I do the podcast that's why I come back week after week I, I think I, I, I edited or I posted episode 161 today
0: I am so jealous I, I am I am so jealous because I am not there with with that level of As I, as I experienced some some technical glitches here. So I'm going to turn the, the, the camera back to you, Freddie. I'm not there yet with, with that 161 episodes. And and I'll tell you this. I love what you just said about the energy in two people having a conversation. That is the whole impetus for the intentional encourager podcast. I want someone to be. As though they are in the same room with you and I, yes. a part of this conversation. Take me through a moment that you had in an episode where you were absolutely blown away, because I've had those moments. I had someone share. I'll share this with you, Freddie. I had. I had an episode where someone had gone through leukemia twice. Had battled cancer, leukemia. And then they they mentioned to me in the midst of the podcast that um, as they were going through their second round of treatment that that their spouse had an extramarital affair on them. And oh, so you God. take the the cancer that was a moment that took me back. I I kind of sat back in my chair as though it was like that was what I didn't expect that I, I wasn't prepared for that. Have you had those moments in recording podcasts? Where you've had that blowback moment, so to speak, where it's just been like, what was well, just shared with me?
1: Brown, there's, there's been so many, but the the weird one that really stands out for me was in 1999 in Cape Town. We had we, I remember it. It was just before the the, the turn of the of the millennium, and we had a spate of bomb blastings all around Cape Town, and they were attributed to a, to, to a, to a group called PAGAT, People Against Gangsterism and Drugs, and the biggest bomb blast of them all was was in a pizza, a pizza place in Camps Bay called St. Elmo's. I don't know if you've got St. Elmo's pizzas in in, in the US, but anyway, so this was on, on St. Elmo's, it was on the beachfront in Camps Bay, which is a really, really busy uh, let's call it a seaside neighborhood. Beautiful, little little area. And I was doing this podcast with 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 a lady called Mia, and she I called her podcast the Nia Ninja, because she's a, a Nia teacher. And we were talking, and she said, "Well, I can't remember how exactly it happened, but but she was telling about. She started the story about how how they were." A, it was her husband, a very newborn baby, and a friend. The four of them were on the beach, and the, the wind was blowing, which is typical for, for, for the end of the year. Um, and they decided it's actually quite really not nice. They're going to, to look for a place to just have something to drink or buy to eat. And they arrived at St. Elmo's, and they sat down at the table. And the baby was was difficult, and she wanted to get the bottle for the baby or something. And she handed the baby to her husband and bent down to get something in the bag, and the bomb went off. Oh my! And <laughs> and she survived because her head was under the table. Hmm. Her husband got very seriously injured and went through 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 a long period of um, operations and 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 different forms of recovery to t- to get back to normal. But the way she told the story, Brian, was so, was so matter-of-fact. And I kind of, woo, I, I thought that, that if that bomb hit me, kind of, you, you, you're telling the story as, as if it's were the same thing. thing that yeah. and, and then
0: he knocked the beer over. You know,
1: yeah. it, it, it would have been the same thing.
0: That's the same thing that happened to me as my guest was telling me about going through that. It was very matter-of-fact. And I yeah. think, Freddie, I think for, for people that, you know I, I talk a lot about losing my dad very suddenly. For me, it's kind of matter of fact because it was a, it was a while back I, I processed those grief feelings and things like that. But for some people that hear that story, they have that that blowback moment. And so I, I've got to ask you this, what was the impetus? For you starting the Meet Me in the Field podcast, what what were you trying to accomplish? What what did you think that? Where did you envision it going?
1: <laughs> you 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 are bringing the questions, aren't you? The, the, I, I hope you are starting with the big guns, and it gets easier as we go along.
0: <laughs> it's the hot tea. It's it's the hot tea. Co- it's the hot tea and coffee combination I, I, I inv- that was we was
1: invited keep in- for a, I was invited for a, for a casual chat. Not not for a hot seat conversation. There's a big difference between the two. <laughs> <laughs> this,
0: Actually, is, this is almost like meet me in the hot zone here. You know. Exactly. Yeah. 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 It's something
1: like that. Yeah. yeah. So Brian, what happened was that I I'm going to, to I'm going to to give you the long version, if that's okay. So what happened in my life was I grew up in a Christian home. Um and through a, 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 a process, which, which years later I actually figured out what it was, I I moved away from God and I moved away from Christianity. And then, at the age so that was that was at about the age of seventeen, between the ages of seventeen and twenty-two, I would say the the the, 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 the division happened. Um, and then, at the age of forty-two, I. I was a full-blown addict, addicted to marijuana, cocaine, actually any form of drug, um, alcoholic, sex, um, and I ended up in rehab. And the facility that 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 I was I was booked in was a twelve-step facility, um, and the twelve steps feature with the word "God" a lot, and I was confronted with with my own belief system, but. The 12 steps are also very clear that this is a spiritual program and not a religious program.
0: Freddie, I've got so, to ask you. Can I can I jump in here? I, I've got to yes. ask you. There's a wide gap between <laughs> twenty two and forty two. And, and and you you went there a little bit earlier than normal, but I'm glad you did. I'm really glad you did. I've got to ask you. I don't think anyone, and 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 now you you specialize in addiction and recovery, and I want to talk with you about that. Awesome. But here's where the here's where my mind is going right now. No one, and and I'm familiar with it. I've spent some time in the addiction, in the addiction recovery disease state myself, working in that space. Oh, awesome. We we have, in our area of the United States. At one time not so not so long ago, we were the heroin capital of the United States. We had more heroin overdoses. Believe it or not, in Huntington, in one night, Freddie. Yeah, about four years ago. In one night, Freddie, we had 26 overdoses. No. That 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 overloaded our our EMS system, our emergency response system. Yeah. They they used Narcan to revive. 25 of the 26 one person passed away but but then after that the the stigma came and so as as you're telling that that story did you get did you finally get to a place at 42 did you have a long period of drug use was it a short because some people and, and i promise i'll get to the question some people fall into addiction because of circumstances because of unfortunate happenings and some people it's it's a slow and steady progression they start small and it's you know uh, well this won't hurt me for us in this region it was OxyContin there were a lot of people that were getting pain medication yeah and it was helping them then they would be addicted and then the OxyContin wasn't enough so they moved up to something harder then yeah. that wasn't enough. They moved up to something harder. For you, was it a was it an instant, was it a, a a in the moment kind of thing? Or was it a slow and steady progression? It
1: it was it was a slow and steady progression. And I can honestly say it started at the age of five. <laughs> and and the the addiction manifested itself in in, 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 in various different formats. From the age of five, it, 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 I would say basically say the the, the 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 first true addiction was to to perfectionism. Is I had I had to be perfect. Things had to be exactly the way I wanted it, and that was that was the only acceptable thing. Then when I reached the age of thirteen, I, I discovered that I'm a good athlete. I I, I suddenly popped into being fast, <laughs> and. Then athletics became my next addiction. And because of, of, of the, the level at which I competed, I didn't use, I didn't like any teenage boy drink or smoked or, or, or what. I just didn't go that route. Because
0: Freddie, I didn't what? Want... Hey, everybody. Brian Sexton here. I want to tell you about our sponsor, SEO National. SEO stands for search engine optimization. Now, what's that, you might say? Well, search engine optimization helps you show up higher on search engines in front of paying customers for words that you as a business owner can monetize. What a great concept SEO national is owned by my good buddy, Damon Burton, who's been a guest here on the intentional encourager podcast. Not only has Damon and his team worked with businesses of all sizes from e commerce, startups to NBA teams and shark tank featured businesses, but more importantly, Damon and his team are about transparency, trust and providing lifetime value so much. So, that he still has his first customers after opening SEO National 14 years ago. Let me give you some intentional encouragement and call Damon and his team today at 855-736-6285 or go to www.seonational.com and get a free quote. Freddie, I've got to ask you this, and forgive me for interrupting, but, but, but my mind, I, I, this is, well, w- w- when you talk about this, I've got to pull a little more conversation out of this and take you here for just a moment. As you are, as you are counseling folks now in, in Cape town, I've got to think that you run into young men that, that struggle with addiction. Have you ever thought about what Freddie the counselor would say to Freddie the teenager? If you could go back and counsel yourself in in that addiction, have you thought about how you would do it and what you would say to to young Freddie Van Rensburg is as, yeah. as he's struggling through the addiction of not oh. only perfection, but but the yeah. drive and athleticism?
1: Yeah. Um I I think one of my specialities is inner child work. I, I, I so 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 strongly believe in, in us as 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 the adult need to go and fetch the the afraid, the insecure, the the little being inside us who believes that the world is not safe, and therefore develop a lot of coping mechanisms to make the world safe for them. So, if if Freddie, the fifty-three-year-old man today, could go back to to Freddie at any younger stage of his life. My advice would be, whatever you think you need to do, it's just not that important. It is far more important to relax back, to to be yourself, no matter, no matter what the others say. And I think there's a very cute quote which is ascribed to Dr. Zeus, but which apparently was not what he said. And that is that, that thing that um, be who you are and say what you say, because those people, the, the people who matter don't mind and those who mind don't matter. Hmm. It's, yeah. it's the, 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 the message to, to, to that young boy would be, it's just not that important. The important thing is, to, to, is that you be yourself and that you actually try and relax back into life and, and, and just enjoy it. Because I, I was like a little, a, 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 a child who w- wore his life garment like a, um, a diving suit that's one size too small. The anxiety, Brian. If I think back at, at my childhood, it's just anxiety that I feel, and I never knew that I started that I suffered from anxiety. But it was all anxiety. It it, it was it, it. I just had to. I just had to to to, to make sure that that the world works out. Like Freddie needs it to work out to feel safe, and the, I'll take you, if I may, take you there. Is the the event that happened at the age of five was that I realized that I don't I don't think the same, and I don't act the same as the as as the other boys in my neighbourhood, mm-hmm. and. And it suddenly dawned on me or or the the thought that the five-year-old Freddie had was, and because I'm not like the others, I'm bad.
0: Do you think the perfectionism Freddie triggered the anxiety or did the anxiety trigger the perfection? Because here's, here's where I'm thinking. Here's, here's where my mind is going. Okay. As, as a young child, trying to and, and then you become a young adult and, and and you 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 make the the transition your body changes and things like that I love what you said there about having to be in control and that's a, that's a that is a sign of perfectionism is yeah. if everything is not as it should be mm-hmm. then then there then there's something wrong yeah. and i can see where If something's out of place, then you become anxious, but I can also see how you can, you can function some days where everything is in place. And you still feel like there's something out of balance. There's something out of control. Did you feel like, as you go back and analyze and think back to your life, and and I love how reflective and introspective that you are. (laughs) In understanding yourself so well, because I think by, by, by doing that self-introspection, you can connect yourself in others that you see and you yeah. can go, I know what that looks like for me, it's grief. Okay. And, and, and I, again, I don't mean to hijack the conversation. I know what grief looks like in other people because I know what it was like in my own life when I lost my dad suddenly yeah. eight years ago and so i'm able to recognize it and understand it when i see it and know that okay that person that person the grief is causing them to do this i see it i understand it i can i can speak to it i can help it because i've been in that situation for you as you look back did your anxiety trigger the perfectionism or was it the other way around i
1: think you're asking me whether what was first the 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 the, the, the,
0: the chicken yeah, it's the chicken or the, the egg. And the egg. Yeah, yeah, exactly, the chicken or the egg question. But what happened
1: for me, Brian, was that the minute I realized that the way I think is unacceptable and it makes it, it, it makes me a bad person, that made me anxious. But to to to, to avoid the anxiety, I had to be perfect. Because. My belief was that, 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 that while I'm perfect, nobody, nobody would, would, would see my flaws. So my flaws, the, the fact that I had these, these fundamental flaws made me anxious, and the fact that people might see it made me anxious, and the fact that I might not be able to hide it through my perfectionism made me anxious. I lived in constant fear that somebody was, w- was going to arrive with a hammer and just tap this little veneer mask that I'm wearing, and everything's just going to crumble. And somebody's going to see the real Freddy, And that Freddy's going to be unacceptable. And when you were, scared the living dead
0: of me. When you were a teenager, and I want, I want to go here for just a second. I've been around teenage athletes for the last six years, doing, working around high school basketball and things like that. My son was a high school basketball and baseball player. I I see what you're talking about in the in the drive in the, I you know I can't I I would see kids practice basketball, and them saying I can't end on a missed shot, yeah, you know I I, I can't I've got to make a shot and then I can my son did that and I'm like we got to go it's time it's time yeah. it's time to go my <laughs> wife's texting me like we got to go, yeah, for you. As a, as a young man with athletics, was it the drive to be great or the drive to be perfect? Because here's – and there's a difference there. For someone to be great means that they're able to perform at certain levels. If someone in athletics strives to be perfect, it almost acts as an internal – um. It's a hyper gear, so to speak, because perfection is unattainable in athletics. Absolutely. And so for you, what what was that drive for you? Was it a drive to be great and to say, look at how great of an athlete Freddie Van Rensburg is, or was it for you to be great because you wanted to prove to everyone else just how gifted and talented athletically you were?
1: I would, I would go the great route, and, and I, would, I would even go further to say that the greatest. Because what, what being the greatest at athletics meant for me was that in our culture, to, it was always an incredibly status symbol to be the fastest kid in the school. That people always refer to that's the falsest guy.
0: And, and let's let's put some perspective around that. Please, if you don't mind me, me jumping in there, mm. let's put some perspective around that. In South Africa, there are still people that, that to this day talk about Oscar Pretorius, <laughs> the great runner. And yeah. and and you know, they the 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 way that he was able to run on prosthetic legs yeah and to do the amazing things that he did mm-hmm. and for for a, a for a a short period of time there i knew what what he i knew the respect he commanded here in the united states yeah. but i would have to think in a country like south africa someone like him was larger than life in in some respects was that a desire for you to be nationally known and say, I want people to know all over South Africa who Freddie Van Rensburg is? Or was it just a desire to be great in your own community?
1: Whoa! now you, you, you bring such an interesting thing up because I wanted to be great. I want it to be bloody marvelous.
0: And here's but, why I ask that. And, and please, I, I want to I, I give you a little more color around that and give our, our audience a little more color around that. Because there are people that desire to be great in their hometown or great in their region yeah. so they can get in the, in the newspaper or be on TV locally. So when they walk into a restaurant or something like that, people know who they are. They, their desire is to be great in the fish tank that they live in. And then there are those that desire to be great where everyone knows who they are. And so that's why I asked you that question because I have to think as a young man and not knowing and and just learning from you about the culture and things that you grew up around, was it more important for you to be nationally known so that anywhere you went in South Africa, people would know Freddie Van Rensburg? Or was it just more important for you to be well-known and to be great in your community so that everyone that surrounded you in your community, because you talked about hiding behind a mask of perfection. And and God. you felt like that if if somebody knew who you really were, taking a hammer and, and and getting that and beating it, did you want to insulate yourself from that just in your hometown? Or did you want to take it beyond the four walls, so to speak, of your hometown? Wow, Brian, the answer is
1: is, is 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 interestingly multifaceted because my my desire for greatness was born from insecurity. So so what we're talking about is 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 my 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 aim for wanting to be to be the best was to be accepted. To, for, 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 for people to, 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 to look at me and accept me for the fact that I'm doing something well or doing something something exceptionally well. With that came a vast am- amount of fear as well. Because once, once you're well known, you're also being scrutinized. And the last thing I wanted was to be scrutinized.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so we well, every move football. is on display. If, if you, let's take it this way. If, if you play basketball and you're supposed to be the guy on the team, that's the best player on the team mm-hmm. and late in the game, you get an opportunity to make the winning shot and you miss yeah. it. Then people go, well, man, you know, missed a shot, you know, missed, missed the game winner there. I've, yeah. I've, I, I, I you're, you this is – my mind is just I'm, – I'm, I'm trying – I want so and, – and I know the audience is too. That's why I'm going here. That's why I'm <laughs> continuing to pull a little more conversation out of there because we all can relate to those times of insecurity where you don't perform to your expectations. And, and not even as a teenager. I'm talking professionally and as, a, as an adult. Yeah. In, in, in anything that you do where you miss the mark and you fail and, 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 and things like that, I, I, I am so fascinated by what you said about striving to be great, being born of insecurity, when athletics at its core is about failing more times than you succeed it's about you know you're you're not you're going to have you're going to lose you know even even great teams and great winners individually still face losses that haunt them you to know. this day when you when you were striving for that did you have a goal let me go here a minute did you want to be a professional soccer player basketball player to where some some young men train for that, Freddie, because they want to set themselves up financially in the future. I want to be yeah. I want to be a multimillionaire and provide for my. It, it, a lot of young men in our country that are young basketball players, they they train and and strive so that they can provide financial security for their family because they grew yeah. up in very rough circumstances. And so that's the drive and the impetus for them. And when they get that first contract, they, they're giving back to their family and taking them out yeah. of those rough situations. I've got to extrapolate a little more conversation out of that. For you, what was the ultimate goal for, for your addiction to athletics? Whoa. Maybe I should, I
1: should put things a little bit into context here. Remember, we are now talking about the 80s, the early 80s. Yeah, I went to I remember those days. <laughs> I, I went to I'm university not that much or, younger than exactly you are, Freddie. Now. I'm
0: 48. So I you yeah. know, we're, so we're, we're
1: talking yeah. about we're talking about apartheid South Africa. We where, where the whole world has sanctions against us. we were not welcome in, in, in world sport. So so we never ever thought of a world stage, it it, it was just not there for us. So so I think our our thinking was already small. The second thing is that that we we didn't know anything like professional sport at that stage in South Africa. Um, Professional sport came into South Africa in the mid 90s. When people could become professional rugby players, and I think I think athletics, as 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 as, as a lesser popular sport in South Africa, became professional possibly here in the two thousands.
0: Freddie, um, you so, you so, have so no, I I've got I've got to ask you this. This is you are just <laughs> you are giving us so many layers <laughs> of uh, and it's, and all, it, it's a multi layered concept. You, well, you no, do I, I up, love yeah? this. I am. <laughs> And, and I'm sure there are people going, Brian, don't interrupt him, but but you mentioned living in apartheid South Africa. and I, re- I remember seeing the images as a as a young teenager, you know, 12, 13, fourteen, and, and seeing images from halfway around the world. I've got to ask you this: Did you ever feel a connection? between what those living in apartheid were going through and your own struggles internally with what you are going through. Because I I can I I could I I could think and and here's why I asked you that question. Okay. So Brian, why would you ask that question?
1: (laughs) I think it's a beautiful question, by
0: the way. (laughs) Some thank you. Sometimes External struggles and internal struggles can connect people together. Absolutely. Because there may be a physical ailment or difficulty and and something that someone because internal struggles, as you well know, Freddie, can be just as debilitating as external struggles. Absolutely. And so I, I wanted to just, I, and, and I've got to ask you this. What was it like being a young man in South Africa in the early 80s because with apartheid? And I'm so glad, I am so glad you brought that up. I cannot, I remember apartheid, but I wasn't there when apartheid was happening. And I would love to get some more color around that. And here's why I say that when I was a young man, again, in my early teenage years, I lived in a neighborhood that was founded at that time, 150 years earlier by former slaves who had escaped from, from, from Virginia, which is now West Virginia to Ohio, they crossed the Ohio river. Yeah. And became free in Ohio. And I lived in Ohio at that time. And and so I've always been curious, having lived in a black neighborhood myself, I've always been curious about how those things were happening across the world. And it was well documented. And I I don't want to rehash that. But my curiosity is so aroused by what you just said (laughs) about that. I've got to go here for just a moment if you would allow me to do so. And if not, yeah. I, I totally understand. What was it like? What was South Africa like <clears throat> in the early 80s with apartheid and in then that, in that cloud of apartheid hovering over the country? Because you said there weren't a lot of outside influences as far as professional sports and things like that. It was almost like South Africa was isolated.
1: Yeah, that, that, that's exactly what it was. Brian, so – so, I was born in 67. My parents bought their, their house in 1960. And the area that they bought the house in was called Triumph, which which, which translates to English is Triumph. Mm-hmm. The, the area got its name from a settlement that was called Sapphire Town, where all the people of color were in one go relocated out of Sapphire Town to Soweto, and the process of relocation gave the area the name of Triumph of Triumph. <laughs> I, I can only but giggle nervously about it because it 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 it, it, it is it is it it it's it so awful. So now I grow up. Seven years later, I'm, I'm born, still, still in Triumph. And I grow up in a, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a Christian household. We were Dutch Reformed. And the only black people I ever see, the girl who comes to clean the house, the guy who comes to work in the garden, and the people who remove our trash. Mm. That, that's my exposure to black people wow because there's there's pass laws so that they they carry a pass to to come into the the neighborhood and i think by sundown by six or seven o'clock they had to leave they had to be out of the neighborhood so and brian the 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 weirdest weirdest thing about it is i never thought it was weird Hmm. it's just the way it was yeah we were taught Selective history at school. Remember wow. the, the, the 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 part of what 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 kept apartheid going was the was the propaganda. So part of the propaganda was that 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 we at 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 white schools, we are not supposed to know what's happening in the in the world. We are not supposed to really know what's happening in South Africa. When I went to university, I didn't know who Nelson Mandela was. Why why not? Because I wasn't supposed to know who Nelson Mandela was. The propaganda worked. And it is so weird because I was so embarrassed about about it when when, when we eventually learned who Nelson Mandela was and what all the issues was and apartheid and the atrocities and the killings and the the human rights violations and everything. And suddenly the world opened up to us. I was too embarrassed to tell to say to any of my friends, "Who is Nelson Mandela?" I pretended to know. Now you will, if you get, if you listen to a few of my pod, of my podcast episodes, people I speak to. My age, they also didn't know who Nelson Mandela was. We were not supposed to know. Wow, the, the 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 world as the world as we saw it, was the world presented to us the way that it was supposed to be. The, the the newspapers we read were were were, were um, um 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 the word that comes up is sanctioned, but it's not true. The newspapers were, were were government papers. You only you know, read what, what 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 you were allowed to read. Hey
0: everybody, Brian Sexton I want you to go check out my new book, People Buy From People: Ten Powerful People Lessons from the Ultimate People Person my dad. My dad was the ultimate connector and the ultimate intentional encourager, and he shared with me 10 connecting lessons that I'm going to share with you in this book, interwoven with stories and personal anecdotes that will help you really see what connecting is truly all about. If you want to be a more powerful, stronger, deeper connector, whether you're in ministry or leadership or sales, going a business whatever you want to do that connects you with people and you want to connect with them stronger deeper and more powerfully people buy from people is for you i want you to go to amazon.com and search people buy from people brian sexton it's available in paperback and kindle and coming soon excited about this coming soon to audible thank you in advance for picking up a copy of people buy from people and now let's get back to a great conversation here on the intentional encourager podcast you know that that reminds me that 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 brings up this point in the united states now something there's a shift happening as well too with with the media and things like that because people that are conservatives politically are not given the same liberties on social media platforms as those with liberal agendas and things like that yeah. and we're seeing it and it, and it's causing an uproar here and, and again what you're saying is this at least I believe this is what you're saying is that when we when we teach selective history when we only allow certain, paradigms certain philosophies certain ways to be instead of the free marketplace of ideas that our country in the united states was built on now all of a sudden we're starting to see that marketplace shrink and it's the ideas that are that are propagated by our media and i can only imagine Freddie. now i'm starting to think How differently would my thought processes have been if in my middle school and my high school, I was taught selective history? There were parts that were hidden from me or weren't shared with me. I, I, I just, that is so powerful, what you just said there. And how when you went to university, you kind of faked your way through it and said, "Well, sure, I know who Nelson Mandela is." Yeah. Deep down, going, they might as well have been talking about someone from a from a a, a distant planet. The point was
1: speaking about the the the, the 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 prime minister of Slovakia. Yeah, you no, know, it, 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 it made no difference to me. You know, the the year that I went to university, which was eighty. Five. Yeah, my student number starts with 85. Um, that was the second year that our university allowed colored students to attend our university. I went through pure white primary school, pure white wow. high school. Um, and we're not talking about blacks. We're talking about colored people. Yeah. I went to Rand Afrikaans University. We didn't speak English. <laughs> wow! Because Afri- Afrikaans was was the, was was the language. It was the language of the government. Wow! So you and grew we never up. We, we never questioned
0: it. And you, so you grew up in in a society where the government controlled everything.
1: Mm-hmm. Wow! They are they are still busy now with. With court cases of families who who are, who are suing the certain entities of the government to, to find out what really happened to their husbands and their fathers oh in the my. 60s and 70s and 80s.
0: And, and I've got to think now as, you're, <laughs> as you look back through the lens of, of 35 years later, how different our world is mm. with that. And, and how far we've come, but still how far we have to go. Absolutely. And, Absolutely. And, 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 so, and I don't want anyone to mistake. I, this is powerful conversation because I want to be very clear. The Intentional Encourager podcast is for everyone. Black, white, Asian, Hispanic. It makes no difference. This no. podcast, and I have had. People of all different creeds. And, and the reason I'm asking these questions about Freddie, I want to understand more about that time. I want to open my understanding because this world is full of incredible people all over the globe, yeah. no matter the skin color and things like that. Now, South Africa is much different. Is it not? Mm. I mean, you know, you know let's mm. fast forward 35 years, what do you think the greatest lessons were learned that people say, no matter what, we're never going back to this as a people, as a society? What do you think some of those lessons are? Your,
1: your, your question actually wants to make me cry, as, as in seriously.
0: My, me too, I Freddie. I am so, and, and, and so and afraid.
1: Is, yeah I'm it, so afraid that we haven't learned the lesson. Yeah I'm so afraid that, that 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 what we've gone through wasn't enough to, to to teach us to never to never let something like that happen again.
0: Well, and again, i, I I'm glad we're having this conversation. <laughs> and I intentionally took it this way because you 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 and I both have podcasts that hopefully reach people. And what we're trying to do is have different conversations. Yeah. I don't want to have, you you mentioned when you were a child thinking differently. I love that. And I have intentionally purposed that I'm going to think differently. I could have done a podcast about anything. I was, I want to tell stories like this and to have conversations like this where we where we can delve deep and someone can go i went through that same thing yeah i know what it's like to be such a perfectionist that it it tore me up inside yeah i've got to ask you this and i want to be respectful of your time i want to pivot here for just a moment take me through the greatest obstacle that you've ever faced in your life whether you you can expand a little more on the addiction and ending up in rehab what have you and, and, and tell me the greatest lesson that you learned from it.
1: Greatest obstacle? To accept my sexuality. And and, and, and that started at five. We, uh, we, the, the thought process that happened at five where I was different was when I realized that I'm not like the other boys. But it took me many, many years to figure out that at what was wrong with me, and, and I use wrong in inverted in inverted commas because I don't think there was anything wrong with me, but from the perspective of, 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 of the South Africa that I grew up in, it was illegal to be gay. When I went, when, when I did military service in 1980 oh wait, now let, let me count the years. 89, 90 it was still um, compulsory military service. Two years. I studied psychology at university, um, and I did an honors degree in sociology. So when I went into military into the military, I was I was co-opted into the Military Psychological Institute. And I worked for the division who, who helped people who select, who did all the selection, the, 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 the testing for people who wanted to join permanent force, who wanted to do um. um uh, 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 officers' courses who wanted to get government bursaries to study medicine, all those type of things. One of the major criteria that we were told in the division is if you identify what they refer to beautifully as gender role identification problems. So in other words, if you think somebody's gay, you are not allowed to um, approve their tests, you have to shoot them down. So for me, growing up in, 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 in the late 60s, early 70s, the idea of being gay was, was so foreign. Number one is that um, the, the, a lot of Afrikaans families in Africa in those days were very, very conservative, politically conservative, religiously conservative, um, culturally conservative. Um, sex and sexuality were never discussed with us. So it, it, it involved for me a, a, a vast um, um, unknown. Not, not, not only was I introduced to, to, to what, was, what was okay and acceptable, but I had to figure out the, the not okay and the not acceptable and to, fall and, and to realize that I fall in that category. And that's where the perfectionism and, and the athletics came in because while I ran and while I was the best athlete. Nobody questioned my sexuality because I was bringing in the points. Mm-hmm. I was I, 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 I was carrying the flag for the school. I was bringing in the medals. I was. Athletics made the unacceptable acceptable. So what? I never really, I, I never really thought about do I want to run for my country or do I want to? It didn't matter, as long as I would, whatever would ever race, I went into the blocks, as long as I won that bloody race by or by crook. I was
0: acceptable. Well, here's the thing too, Freddie, here, here's something else. and, And you've, you, you've touched on it here as well too. There are things that, that athletes carry that, that are, are also internal struggles and detriments that no one cares about. No one cares about the fact when they get home, they may or may not be abused physically or verbally. Absolutely. You know, they, they may, they may not realize that they lived with a parent or family member. we, we, on, on an earlier episode, one of my guests talked about being molested as a young man Mm. and carrying that. So we, you know, so, so struggles. People all they see is the performance, and they yeah. see nothing behind the scenes of what that person carries into their life. Maybe, maybe they have, maybe they're dealing with parents that are alcoholics. Absolutely. To your point, with with working with with people that are addicted, you you struggling with addiction to drugs and alcohol yourself. They may not realize that that kid when they go home they're going to have to pick their parents up out of the floor because they've gone on a, the the parents didn't bother to show up for the game and, and, and they're going, or they, in in another episode, a young man that I had on the episode was telling me about having to go and physically remove the alcohol from his, from his father's home at 16, 17, 18 years old, Mm -hmm. and then getting into addiction himself. So you're talking about real, struggles it doesn't matter what the struggle is everyone sees what they want to see on the outside no one sees and and another one is depression there are people that struggle with depression um one of them yeah and and people that 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 have it's it's not anything and and that depression may not be an external force But rather a chemical imbalance that causes the depression and things like that. Yeah, exactly. I've got to go here and and I want to take our conversation here and I want to be respectful of your time. This has been powerful, enlightening. This conversation has gone a lot of different places.
1: (laughs) Isn't it awesome to to, to not have an agenda?
0: (laughs) It it really is. It's liberal. We limit
1: ourselves terribly when we have an agenda.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I want you to share with the audience your biggest piece of intentional encouragement because no matter what someone is struggling with, external, internal forces, leave the audience with your biggest piece of intentional encouragement, Freddie.
1: I think that the biggest journey is it's a journey to self-love if, if if we can if we can encourage young people to to love themselves i want to put in brackets behind it unconditionally what we're going to be able to create is a world of love um and what I mean by that is is one thing that I, that I've learned through my through my own journey of of moving from 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 self hate, and and that's why I fell into addiction. I just hated myself so much mm-hmm. that I did I didn't care what I did with myself. I didn't believe I deserved the, the, the air the air that I breathe. Um, and 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 coming into recovery and 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 learning that that I need to forgive myself. I need I need to learn to love myself, and moving from from that place of, of, of self-loathing to, to, to self-love and realizing that I was incapable of loving until I learned to love myself. Yeah. And and the only way that I can give love is to have love. I can't, I can't give what I don't have. So can you imagine if 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 we could if we could have a generation of people who actually love themselves, and can then give that love away. Yeah, what a beautiful world we will have. So, my my greatest encouragement is to take a journey inward. To take the time, take the energy, because you are worth it. Going find, going find the the you inside who who is worth loving. Because we were all born, I believe we were all born through love, in love, for love. Yeah. And and the answer to, to to whatever the problem is 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 love. Yeah. Go inside. See how you how you would like to be treated in that situation, and take that, and take that outwards.
0: Yeah. That's so good.
1: And in, Freddie. In, the, in, in, engage, engage life with love.
0: Yes. A hundred percent. And Freddie, that's the thing is, that's why this podcast exists. My goal is to spread as much intentional encouragement yes. as we can to as many places as we can. It, it's why you do the Meet Me in the Field podcast. Tell folks how they can find that podcast and how they can connect with you. I am certain after hearing this conversation. That people will want to connect with you. Um
1: I have a website which is ww.freddy with an IE. That's fred i dot And I also have
0: so spell that s- spell that for the folks, Freddy.org dash Freddy.org. dot, dot Z-A.
1: Z-A for South Africa. Zutafrika.
0: <laughs> give us a spelling on that if you don't mind um so it's f-r-e-d-d-i-e
1: dot g-o-v dot z-a so that that's where you can find me and that's where there's a little bit about me what i do for a living about the books that i wrote and um I've got a blog there, which which I just got really, really so lazy. Writing is actually bloody hard work. Do you realize that? (laughs) It's so much easier to just.
0: Yeah, I realized that after I published my first book back in December. Yeah, that's, and we talked (laughs) about that on your podcast. Yeah.
1: Exactly. Yeah. I've I've done two and and I I still look at them and think, I I did this. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> which is which is quite awesome which is quite when did this happen how did how did this happen? Um, so there's a blog there that's also where most people go to find my my podcast but I also post my podcast on on on, on, on a platform called anchor and anchor pushes my podcast then to to, 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 to nine of the most prominent podcast platforms in the world. Um, so you can find me on iTunes, on Google Podcast, on Spotify, on what, whatever, and the, the podcast is called Meet, "Meet Me in the Field." Um, and then I have I, I'm on. I, I actually I'm on Twitter, but but I'm, I'm I was a very active Twitter participant, and my Twitter handle is at Rensburg Freddy, and that is R E N S B U R G. And then F-R-E-D-D-I-E. But Twitter became toxic
0: for me. It wasn't a friendly I told someone the same thing earlier. Mm-hmm. I, I backed away from Twitter. I, yeah. I use LinkedIn a lot. But um, yes. connect, with, as, yeah, connect
1: with...
0: Yep, Connect with Freddie I, on LinkedIn, Twitter, yeah. and, and, and I'm go search. on
1: LinkedIn as Freddie van Rensburg. And I'm on Instagram as um, Freddie Counselor. Mm-hmm. And where else? Facebook, um, Meet Me in the Field has a Facebook page. Freddie Counselor has a Facebook page. Freddie von Rensberg has a Facebook Facebook page. And strangely enough, that Freddie on Facebook is spelled the why. <laughs> why, I don't know. Maybe why, they I, thought I,
0: you were a West Virginian, Freddie. That's all I can tell you know. Why
1: and how that yeah. happened, I, 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 I don't know.
0: Freddie, this has been fabulous, fascinating conversation. <laughs> and I have enjoyed it thoroughly. Listen, this will probably go down as one of the most powerful episodes of the Intentional Encourager podcast, oh and it's God. not because of me. It's because of my incredible guest, Freddie Van Rensburg. <laughs> Freddie, thank you for joining me today on the Intentional Encourager podcast.
1: This has been an amazing experience, and I'm honored and humbled to have been asked. Thank you so much.
0: My thanks as always to producer Bryce Sexton and technical advisor Matt Mead. And the ultimate thanks goes to the Lord Jesus Christ, who provides intentional encouragement every day through his work. And until next time, remember everyone, everywhere, at any time, and any place can be an intentional.